really been such a full service, and we're going to finish it off with a, a great chapter in the Bible. It's in Genesis 29, a chapter um, that many of us probably know, some of us maybe not, um, and we'll, we'll pick it up uh, in Genesis 29. Um, perhaps I should set the stage. So Jacob, for those of you that have not been following along with us, we've been going through the book of Genesis. Jacob, he is part of this, this line, this, uh, the seed of, of woman, basically, he's part of this line that God is going to work through to bring about a, an eventual Messiah. And so through God, God chooses Abraham. He says, Abraham, this world, uh, we need to redeem this world. I want to use your family. So Abraham, right, has Isaac. Isaac then has a couple kids. It's not actually Esau that uh, is the seed of woman that God's going to work through. It's actually Jacob. But Jacob grows up the younger child, the younger son. He steals his brother's birthright. He steals his brother's, bless, or his brother's blessing. He pulls the wool over his father's eyes, quite literally. And then he has to escape because his brother wants to kill him. So his mom, the only person left in the world who really loves him, has sent him off to go be safe with her family, Laban, who we saw a few chapters ago when we met, when we met Rebecca as Rebecca married Isaac. Well, here in Genesis 29... Uh, Starting right before verse 15, it says, And Jacob had stayed with him, Laban, for a whole month. Laban said to him, Just because you are a relative of mine, should you work for me for nothing? Tell me what your wages should be. Now, chapter 29, verse 16. Now, Laban had two daughters. The name of the older was Leah. The name of the younger was Rachel. Leah had weak eyes. But Rachel had a lovely figure and was beautiful. Jacob was in love with Rachel. And said, I will work for you seven years in return for your younger daughter, Rachel. Laban said, it is better that I give, you to, give her to you than to some other man. Stay here with me. So Jacob served seven years to get Rachel, but they seemed like only a few days to him because of his love for her. Now Jacob said to Laban, give me my wife. My time is completed and I want to make love to her. So Laban brought together all the people of the place and gave a feast. But when evening came, he took his daughter Leah and brought her to Jacob. And Jacob made love to her. And Laban gave his servant Zilpah to his daughter to be her attendant. When morning came, there was Leah. By the way, one of my most favorite cha- uh, scriptures in the entire Bible. It's like, wow, there she is. Like, morning came and there was Leah. So, J- so Jacob said to Laban, what is this you've done to me? I served you for Rachel, didn't I? Why have you deceived me? Laban replied, It is not our custom here to give the younger daughter in marriage before the older one. Finish the daughter's bridal week. Uh, Then we will give you the younger one also in return for another seven years of work. And Jacob did so. He finished the week with uh, Leah, then then, then Laban gave him his daughter Rachel to be his wife. Laban gave his servant Bilhah, to his daughter Rachel as her attendant. Jacob made love to Rachel also, and his love for Rachel was greater than his love for Leah. And he worked for Laban another seven years. When the Lord saw that Leah was not loved, he enabled her to conceive, because, er, but Rachel remained childless. Leah became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She named him Reuben, for she said, it is because the Lord has seen my misery. Surely my husband will love me now. She conceived again, and when she gave birth to a son, she said, Because the Lord heard that I am not loved, but he gave me this one too. So she named him Simeon. 
Again she conceived, and when she gave birth to a son, she said, Now at last my husband will become attached to me because I have borne him three sons. So he was named Levi. She conceived again, and when she gave birth to a son, she said, This time I will praise the Lord. So she named him Judah. Then she stopped having children. Um, An interesting passage. Uh, You know, one of my... I like this passage as a young man. I think when you read the Bible... And you're kind of like, I don't really understand a lot of this. I understood this. I was like, okay, wow, romantic, romantic movie. I've seen romantic movies. I know how this works. Guy finds girl, guy likes girl, guy pursues girl happily ever after. And even as a young man, I'd be like, I gotta go find my Rachel. She's out there somewhere. My Rachel, my beautiful Rachel. And it's funny how I read the chapter with my 21st century American gloss, you know, of like how I read this is how, I, how I've basically been, you know, uh, <laughs> raised in this society to see certain things and then reject other things. But what's going on here? What's happening in this passage? Um, we talk about dealing with rejection. We have our, 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 our main character, Jacob. And Jacob, just a chapter ago, has this incredible vision, right? He, he, he goes to sleep. He's on his own. He's, he's got nothing. He's penniless. He's jobless. He's really got just the clothes on his back. And he leaves and he has this, and, and Richard read the scripture earlier, he has this vision of angels coming up and down Jacob's ladder. We call it Jacob's ladder, but going up and down this stairway to heaven. And God basically is saying, I'm with you. We talked about that before, right? God's providence is God saying, I'm with you. Go ahead. I'm not going to give you all the answers. I'm not going to tell you what to do, but I'm saying I am with you. That's God's providence. That was last week, right? So we talked about Jacob moving forward, God knowing God is with me. So he walks in, whistling a sweet tune to this well, right? To this, this Middle Eastern bar of sorts, and finds Rachel. And he's, and he's very excited because this is, this is his, his uncle Laban's family. And so Jacob comes in. But remember Jacob's life. Remember, Jacob's life has been mostly identified by massive rejection. So he grows up the youngest child in a family where a primogenitor you know, is very common. That's basically the eldest son gets everything in the inheritance. And the youngest son gets nothing. So what does Jacob do? He's constantly trying to gain affection from people by tricking people, by manipulating people. He, he tries to kind of achieve validation in life because he does not get it from his father. He does not get it from his brother. Um, and his mom and dad are, are, are manipulative and, and even kind of playing favorites of who they like within um, their family. It's an interesting side note, too, that Isaac and Rebecca's marriage seems to be going quite well until they have kids. Um, and then is when you see sin enter into, and massive sin, by the way, into, into, enter into their life. And so, side note, probably a good study if you want to study that out. Um, but, can't talk about it today. They play favorites. Jacob grows up, and he's basically just living out this, this empty, he's empty inside. And so, of course, he goes to a place. Of course, he sees Rachel, and then he, he goes, I'm going to do what I've always done my entire life. I'm going to achieve my way out of this. I'm going to get this woman, she will be everything I need. Once I get her, I'll be okay. Right? Just like with the birthright, just like with the blessing, now with Rachel, Jacob is going to achieve uh, this. He's going to be able to fill his emptiness inside um, with, this, with this woman, with this marriage, with this beautiful woman. Right? And so we got to talk about this, this hope that he has. People that, are, that feel empty inside, they tend to cling to a hope. Right. And Jacob has this this emptiness and he has this hope of and we can tell a couple ways that Jacob is sort of he's not just a little 
um, overwhelmed with desire for Rachel. He's, he's lost it. So he gets there. He says, I'll work seven years. So a normal dowry is about 20, 30 to 40 shekels. Um, and we know that um, that's basically like six months wages. He wants to work seven years. It is a massive sum for a bride. And perhaps once Laban even hears Jacob talk about his daughter this way, Laban knows that he can manipulate the situation as well. There's not just one trickster in the family, buddy. There's two. And so Laban realizes, oh, oh you want Rachel? How about, um, yeah, well, seven Seven. There's no, there's no negotiation. There's no, let me start at seven, then he'll come down to two and we'll meet in the middle. Jacob is just accepting the offer. Jacob is that, he's, just, he's sexually and emotionally overwhelmed with Rachel. She has become for him an idol. She has become for him his savior. If he can just have this, he will be okay. He will not have to be empty inside. He will not have to, he will not have to try to work through life alone and this this will be something that he 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 feels like will fulfill that and it's something that we all have as well in us as i think and it's easy for us to write off scriptures like this and say oh drew i know i know the kind of person you're talking about i know people like that yeah they are they are they are just desperate for attention and yeah they are desperate for affection and those people are yeah i know who you're talking about but i pray that we don't fall into that trap this morning and then we say, no, this is actually not just talking about those types of random crazy stuff out there. It's actually very real. Uh, one commentator said something funny. He was like, we read the Bible and we go, oh, this is so antiquated and regressive and old. And, and like, yeah, you're right, because I could never see a woman today being judged by her looks and having to basically get through life because of her appearance and things like that. Like, this is still very much like these principles are very much in play today as a lot of these things. Yes. Now, the Bible just because we see polygamy in the Bible and Genesis a lot of times, and polygamy is very rare. It's actually only in the early, um, in the, uh, basically the patriarchal figures, these guys here in Genesis. But the author of Genesis always condemns it. And you can tell by every time there's polygamy, every time there's um, someone giving their you know, servant to have sex with the master so that he can have kids. It never, it never, never, never goes well. So if, you're, if, you, if you think that this is, if, if God is for this, then you just, you haven't learned to read really well. So just read Genesis and you realize that God is not for any of this. And the author of Genesis is not for any of this. That's a side note. But we read through it and these principles are still very, very relevant for us today. Um, because we all can have that same inner emptiness inside and we still live in a society that tells us that we can fill that emptiness. And in one of two ways, the, the main way that Jacob looks to fulfill it is with romantic love. And that's the way that a lot of us can, can feel the same. And we live in a world, uh, one, one author said it this way, and he's not a Christian, but he says, because God is leaving kind of the fabric of society, that uh, modern people have freighted an incredible amount of spiritual power in their romantic partner. Like now that God is gone, for a lot of people who, do, who live as if there is no God, whether they go to church or not, they live as if there is no God. We look for in that person basically a savior. Yeah. This person will, yeah. you know, right? One of my favorite movies is Jerry Maguire, right? You complete me, right? It's like that line comes from that movie or like we're, we're to, you know, all those romantic movies, like there's something in us that craves this, then everything will be okay. Everything will be fine if I can have this romantic partner. But what do we really want for in that? I think what we want for, like when we, when we think, if I can just date this girl, if I can just get married, if I can just, and it's not always that, but I think a lot of us feel that. And maybe it's not romantic, maybe it's, it's, it's friendship, but with romantic love, I think a lot of us just want somebody to forgive us our faults. They want somebody to see us for who we are and love us. 
They want someone to treat us with dignity and respect, right? We, we, we want that in a romantic partner. And this author says, really, what people, as God has left the picture of what we want in a romantic partner, people want nothing less, he says, than, quote, to be redeemed. They want redemption in romance. Um, they want to find, and you know, this is kind of common today, find somebody who's really attractive, who's really hot, you know, and even just like these really kind of like pair-ups or hook-ups or meet-ups, and then you can feel like, okay, I'm something. I'm, I, got, I, I got it. Okay, I, I've, and so this is what Jacob's looking for, and we can still feel the same thing today. Um, with that. Um, and, and Jacob is, I mean, another example of kind of where he's gone off the deep end with his um, desperation to be fulfilled is he says something quite ridiculous to his future father-in-law. He says, give me, give me your daughter. You can even tell him that. It's not like, hey, we finished the, the agreement. Can we follow through on the agreement? He says, give me what's mine so I can have sex with her. I mean, I was reading about how Jewish rabbis, or rabbis to this day, are, are really perplexed by that because that is so vastly indiscreet and offensive. Like, that was horrifying to say back then, right? It'd be horrifying to say today, right? So you're, like, asking your father-in-law, hey, can I propose to your daughter? Yeah, that works. But that right there, no, no bueno, right? It's vastly offensive and indiscreet and inappropriate. But it's just showing us, the Bible is showing us where Jacob is. And he's worked so hard, seven years. I don't have any money. I don't have anything. I've, I've tried to get the birthright. I tried to get the blessing. Nothing's worth You know what? But, but she's going to be it. She's going to finally fulfill me. And he's got it in his head to finally get this fulfillment. And we want the same thing. It's his deepest adoration. And I wonder for us, what is our deepest adoration? What is it that we want that is like, if I can just have that? Because on one hand, we have Jacob. On the other hand... We have somebody else. We have Leah. Jacob's not the only one in this passage. As Jacob here moves to, with Laban there, comes to the agreement. Jacob's not the only one dealing with rejection or sadness here. I have a little picture of sadness there. Um, you know, when my, when my wife and I saw Inside Out, we, we liked very different characters. She's like, I like sadness. I was like, you like sadness? Um, she loves sadness. Um, and I liked... Uh, I think anger was cool. I think anger was cool. I like anger. She likes, I like sadness. Sums it up. There's a marriage Bible talk right there. I'm sure there's something. We can watch the movie, talk about it. Okay. Um, but we talk about Leah here. She's kind of the forgotten one, right? And the Bible tells us, and once again, this is something that translators don't quite understand, is Leah had weak eyes, but Rachel was beautiful in face and figure. So it's not saying Leah had weak eyes and Rachel, man, she could see so far. She was like, she had 20-20 vision. That's not what it's saying, right? Um, it's saying she had weak eyes, but Rachel was beautiful in face and figure. In Hebrew, it's quite literally, she was stunning. She was beautiful. So what it's saying is, however you kind of slice it, now some people think maybe Leah, uh, Leah rather, had some kind of disfigurement in her eyes. Maybe she was cross-eyed or had some problem with her eyes. Bottom line is, we don't know. Bottom line is, she was not in, in the ballpark of her sister in terms of beauty. And so Leah, her whole life has to grow up being compared to her younger sister, Rachel. And here is Laban's plot, Laban's device, right? There's not just one trickster in the family, there's two. And Laban realizes, like anybody who approaches you 
you know, like with a deal that's, you know, like you can tell they're desperate. What do you do? You raise the price on them, right? Anybody would do it. So Laban says, all right, seven years. And though Laban's also scheming, maybe Laban realizes I'll never actually marry off this daughter because of how ugly she is. So I have to actually trick somebody into marrying her. So he commits up, has this plot. Notice what Laban does. He's, he's shifty in here. Jacob's like, I want to marry your daughter. And Laban's like, well, he doesn't say yes or agreed or let's sign here. He goes, it's good that you should have her than somebody else. It's like a general statement, you know, that doesn't really commit to anything. But Jacob hears what he wants to hear. He is so obsessed with his idol. He is so, if I can just have this thing, I will be okay. We talked about the romantic portion of this. And I think that our society has actually moved away from that a little bit. I think that's still, in essence, a very big piece of what people want. I think um, even a lot of people, they, they, they come to church, they come to God, and a lot of their first thought is, man, who can I marry? Right? Yeah. I was talking to a brother a while ago, and he came and said, I want to become a disciple, but there's just not that many people in the church. Like, my numbers are really shrinking here. <laughs> and I was like, that's true. That's true. You know, but God will take care of that. That'll work out just fine. But a lot of times it's, I want to come to God, but let me case the joint here. What are, what are my options? Will I be okay? Will I be able to get married? Will God give me this thing that I really kind of need to be able to have what I want? To be able to have this marriage, to have this relationship. But the other thing that's become more common, I think, and is not just romantic idols, but achievement idols. I think that's really big in Charlottesville and really big in our country as we move away from kind of even a lot of romantic movies aren't the same anymore. They're, they've shifted away from that, that idea. There's not a lot of romantic comedies anymore. There's a lot of movies that kind of push achievement and independence. And I think the way we look, and I was convicted recently and how I read the Bible. I was reading a book about the Bible, and it was saying, read the Bible, but slow down. But I'm always like, I finished the chapter. I finished the book. Got to finish the book. I finished the book. Like even how I read is achievement-based. Like it's just like, I did it. And I think for us, a lot of times, our view of, of finding fulfillment, finding it is that it's in the next achievement. Um, and that's what, that's what Leah is actually doing. If you notice, she's tricked, right? She, she, she's tricked into, oh, she's tricked. Jacob's tricked into marrying her. But notice what, what Leah does actually to try to find fulfillment. She wants to be a good mom. She says, give me, God, give me, give me children. That way my husband can love me. And that's really complicated. Uh, it's kind of a very intricate theological perspective because on one hand, she's holding God, but on the other, she's holding Jacob. And, uh, and he, but she's thinking, God, give me these things so Jacob can love me. She's not a pagan. She's not running around just like, I love all desire and pleasure and, and hedonism. Like a lot of us can think, well, I'm not like these people, but a lot of us are like Leah. Well, I, I love God, but man, God, I need you to give me this. I need you to give me these things, God. I got, God, I love you. I will praise you. But, and she even calls him Yahweh, which is rare. Usually they say Elohim. Uh, in, your, in your Bible, it would say God. Uh, G-O-D, God is Elohim. It's a very common name. Um, Yahweh is all caps, L-O-R-D, Lord. So if you see Lord, it means Yahweh. Yahweh is a very personal name. And she's, look at what she says. She says, Lord, the Lord heard that she was not loved. Right? And that's also very sad, right? It wasn't Laban heard she was not loved or Jacob heard she wasn't. The only person who heard her misery was Yahweh. That, that's very, that saddens me. I think that's a lot, of, that's where she was. 
No one was hearing her cries, but only Yahweh was. And she cries out to Yahweh in this personal name. She seems to really have a good relationship with God. And she goes, God, give me these kids so I can be a good mom. I, that Jacob can see that like, back then that was the, the, the best thing you could do as a mom back then. Like, the, it was like the gold standard of motherhood, produce sons. And she just cranks out three like it ain't nothing. And she's like, God, please, 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 sunrise, sunlight. She, and God's even kind of given her a little bit of what she wants, if you notice. But she's not being fulfilled. I love Leah. I'm, I, I think she's a great character, but I, I got to quote a friend of mine. Uh, not really a friend. I always say that. It sounds better if I say that. But there's a, a, preacher, a preacher that I love, and he, he coined this great phrase. And he says, the point of this passage is that everything in life where you, that you pursue to be your savior... Everything you look at, if I can just have this job, then I'll be okay. If I can just have this marriage, if we can just get through this time in my life, then I'll be okay. If my kid can just turn five, or if my kid can just go to, off to college, then I'll be fine. Then our marriage will be okay. Then everything will be fine. If we can move to a new city, then I'll be okay. If I can get a new, then I'll be fine. Then I'll be okay. If we, if we do that, you will always go to bed with Rachel. You will always wake up with Leah. Always. And the sooner we can understand that, the sooner we can have real peace. You will always go to bed with Rachel and wake up with Leah. It will never be enough. That initial joy, that initial, this new thing I'm doing. And we can think like, oh, Drew, you're talking about failed marriages or failed jobs or people that haven't been successful. No, I'm not. I'm talking about the very best marriages, the very best jobs. Even those cannot fulfill. C.S. Lewis says, if most people honestly look into their hearts they would realize how deeply they crave something this world could never give them. Not just failed marriages or jobs, the very best ones. That first moment of longing when you do something new, you go to a new country, you play a new game. Or yesterday we played disc golf, and right before the first hole, I was like, this is so awesome, like that first moment, and then it got really bad for me. But, but in that first moment of like, yes, I'm going to play disc golf, it's going to be incredible, and hit the tree, right? And you're like, oh man, it's not so good. I went with disc golf even, you, you know, wake up with Leah apparently. So, but all these things, we put our hope into these things that can be our savior. And it will never, ever be enough. And these, aren't, these aren't bad things a lot of time. Leah wanting to be a good mom, wanting to produce kids, wanting her husband to love her. Is that downright evil and awful? And should be? No, it's not a bad thing. But we can tell by the way she names her kids. Like she's even naming her kids like, now he'll love me. Now he'll accept me. Now he'll be there. It's all about if I just had this. But it's not perfect. And I, what I love about Leah, she, like a lot of people in Genesis, it's not over after this. Like she has a long way to go in wrestling with God, just like we do. But I think we need to realize that a lot of us hold God in one hand and an idol in the other. Amen. Just like she does. And she goes, God, I love you, Yahweh. I know we're close. I've been a Christian for 21 years or I lead a group or I'm, I, I do this and I do that. And all these achievements that we build up that apparently make us something. And we go, I got all that, but God, I really need this. Yeah. If I had that, then I'd be happy. Yeah. But are you happy with God? No, I need this. Then I'll be happy. This girlfriend, this boyfriend, this, achieve, this, this job, this money, this security. This, if I just had a little bit of peace and quiet in the house, then I would be okay. Right? If I, if I just need this. You will always go to bed with Rachel and wake up with Leah. And I think we have to understand that. Then we can have real peace. You know how I know? Because look at Leah. Look what she does. She wakes up. Right? She wakes up there right at the end. Verse 30, 
35 says, she conceived again. And when she gave birth to a son, she said, this time. Yes, this time. She's failed a lot, hadn't she? No more. This time I will praise the Lord. It's not about perfection. She's messed up. She's been rejected. She has been hated. Think about the personal hell she has. Her whole life she's compared to her sister. Now she gets to be married to a guy who's also married to her sister. Her entire life now is just compared to somebody better than her. She cannot escape this personal hell. And we can think, well, God, if I just had this, if I had that, if I had an employer that just was better, if I had, we can go days and days, and that's most of our discipling times. If I just had this, and I had that, and if you understood my situation, and if you got this, and this, and this, and this, if I just had all these things, Leah felt the same. If I just had a kid, Jacob still doesn't care. If I had another kid, still doesn't care. We put so much of when we look to these things to, salt, to, to free us, we're looking, we basically want them to be Jesus. No person, no boyfriend or girlfriend or job or city can ever be Jesus for you. And we have to, the sooner we realize that, the sooner we can experience liberation. And the sooner we can be what God's always called us to be. And the sooner we can mature and grow up, we can be freed. I, think, I can just imagine her being like, this time I will praise the Lord. So she named him Judah. It's over. And church, there's a lot of things that can ruffle our feathers. A lot of things. And they're not always bad. I, I, I believe that, that Jesus... No, I'll get to that in a second. I believe that God's working here for a reason. But I think we have to take stock. And I want to ask you this morning, from what do you have the deepest adoration for? What, is, what are you longing for? If I had this, then I would be happy. Then I'd be enough. Then I'd be validated. Then I would have significance. And we all have something. You might say, but no, Drew, I'm doing... You may have God in one hand, but you, what's the idol in the other? You say, God, if you just gave me this, then I finally could deliver for you. And Leah realizes, she, I love it. She realizes, wow, this time I'm not going to keep doing this. I'm going to stop. How inspiring is that for all of us? But I've sinned so much, Drew. Doesn't matter. This time I will praise the Lord. It's okay. God says, it's okay. How about this time? God's waiting for the, they're, they're all waking up and realizing things. And I'm, we're going to have a lot that's going to happen in our world, okay? There's awful things going on in our world. I even wanted to read some of the things that are going on in our world right now. I was nervous about how it would play with you guys, okay? Like, that's how I feel. Like, I can't say things up here because of how angry we might get just by saying things that are going on in the news. And I think sometimes those, we give our passion to those things. We give our passion to who's in office. We give our passion to legislation. We give our passion to that. We come here and that we, may, we care more about that than about God. We say, yeah, 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 God, Yahweh, whatever, but I need this. Why can't we have a different president? Why can't we have a different governor? Why can't we have a different uh, school system? Why can't we have a different high school? Why can't we have different neighbors? Why can't we have, why are we around all these awful people? And I get that a lot of that's very real. And there's a lot of injustice in the world. Surprise, God is leaving. People are kicking God out. The USA is kicking God out. Are we surprised that there's more evil? Like, are we really like, we can do all these things and I'm all for all those things. We can talk about all that later. My point is, is that we cannot make, even make a political candidate our Messiah. We cannot make a, a, even a, I mean, I don't hope, I hope you're not, but we can't make a church leader your Messiah. You can't make your Bible talk leader 
Um, your wife, you can't make your spouse. They cannot, they will not be that. They cannot fit, fill the God-shaped hole in your heart. They, it'll never be enough. We put so much on this. You can see the world do it. I love it. When people run for school office, you know, where they always promise these big sweeping changes. And it's because there's something about when people run for office, I think, that we, it reminds us of Jesus. So they say, if I get elected, I'll have equality and justice will be gone. They speak to these deep. It's not very pragmatic and not specific because right. pragmatists don't get elected. They're boring. So you have to be, you have to be ideologue. You have to be general. And you say, I will, I will get rid of injustice. What's your plan? I will get rid of injustice. Wow. And we go, elect him. Because we want him to be Jesus. We want her to be Christ. Deep down, we want those things. But no matter what happens, the world does not have answers. Maybe it's communism. I looked up recently that the uh, uh, suicide rates, okay? We go to, we're a capitalist country. We're top 30 in suicide in the world, okay? How about a communist country like Sweden or Finland? They're also top 30 in the world in suicide. How about a wealthy country, Iceland? Top 20 wealthiest, also high suicide rate. How about, maybe it's just a part of, no, 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 look, look it up. Like, it's, none of those things are going to fix our world, no. our, our city. And I think we got to have, amen, you get what I'm saying. I think we got to have wisdom about those things. I just think sometimes we ascribe too much of a messianic hope to people who cannot and will not be Jesus for us. Not in a spouse, not in a student body president, for those of you that are, that's applicable to, the three of you. Um, But we have to, my hope is that we all, and I felt this this week, I had to confess to my wife, there's something I've been really saying, God, I love you, but I need this. I've been telling her, I said, I got to repent. I'm putting conditions on God. I got to change. God chooses to bring Jesus Christ through Leah, not Rachel. Why? If God was really so achievement and success based and beautiful, in order to be a Christian, you got to be beautiful and charismatic and you got to be smart and good at sharing your faith and you got to be really good with quiet times. You got to know Greek and Hebrew. He would have chosen Rachel if that was our God. But he, chose, he chooses the most rejected person in the story. Somebody who her husband, her husband couldn't even look at her. Husband was, he wakes up. I mean, it's all of it. He chooses Leah to bring David, to bring Jesus. Then I think the reason is that Jesus was also going to be somebody who would be in touch with rejection. That there would be nothing in his appearance that would attract us to him, Isaiah would say. In chapter 53, that Jesus would be rejected. And it was that Jesus, because he knows our ability to go to, if I just, if you understood how hard it is to be a mom, Jesus can go, I got you. I've ha- I long to gather you as a hen gathers her chicks, but you are not willing. Jesus, if you just knew what it's like to be rejected by your family. Mark chapter 2, Jesus' family says that he is out of his mind. Jesus, if you just knew what it was like to have no friends, people don't really want to do what I want to do. Like, look at Jesus. Jesus came so that he could understand where you're coming from. He wanted to be able to say, I am with you. Always to the very end of the age. That's God's providence like we talked about last week and the week before. It's not about having all the answers. It's God, I'm with you. You're going to make mistakes. The hope is, is that God uh, preordains the times and places where we should live, hoping that we reach out for him and find him. God sets it up, hoping that we all did today. And my hope is that we all today can say, no more. This time, I will praise the Lord. 
And it's praise. It's not this time I will obey better. (sighs) Refreshment. This time I will be a better disciple. This time, no, no, no. This time I will praise. You know how many people last Wednesday left saying, that was awesome. That's what I needed. We didn't preach anything. We didn't do anything fancy. We sang for an hour. I think sometimes we just need to praise the Lord. Right now we're going to sing, Hail, Hail, Lion of Judah. Jesus came from the, from the tribe of Judah, not because, and I love that it's a lion. A lion, this fierce, dominant animal, comes from Leah. That God is close to the brokenhearted. And as we sing, Hail, Hail, Lion of Judah, Lion of Judah, I love thee, right? Because you died upon a tree way up on Calvary. Thank you, Lord, for loving me. Let's sing that together as we close out this morning. Amen, and to God be the glory. Thanks for listening to the Blue Ridge Podcast. My name is Seth Mitchell, and if you'd be interested in more resources like this or connecting with us, you can go to blueridge.church or join us at Burnley Moran Elementary School at 7 p.m. Wednesdays or 10.30 a.m. Sundays in Charlottesville, Virginia. Thanks for tuning in and see you next time.